When you guys are choosing a character for Dungeons and Dragons, do you have a theme song for that character and how do you choose it? I straight up have theme songs for all of my characters. Mm, I try and avoid doing that type of thing because I get songs stuck in my head constantly and my brain will associate certain places with certain songs. For example, every time I'm in the shower, my brain immediately wants me to sing Kickapoo from the Tenacious D movie. Like, every single time. Why? Every single, because Why now, specifically because, that? Because now, because I probably did it one time, now it's habitual. Okay, right? Pavloved yourself. And a, a Were you in a shower no. and, you know, accidentally on one slide and then you every kicked time a poo? I see, every time I see a noticeable thing with the sun, like a sunrise or sunset or something, I start singing a circle of life in my head. Like, I can't, it's just there now. <laughs> so I can't do that because I can't lock myself into another habit. It's a mimic. The Roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Merry Christmas and welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I am Terry and with me today are Dan and Kyle, and this episode is called Bards. Indications and intimations of indication and inflammation of no, inspiration, invocations again. and instigation iterations. You got it wrong. Oh, it I'm not going to get this right. You got well, You got to. I want it you so You have hard. to. Which word did I get wrong? Incitation. Incitation? Incitation. Oh. Indications of, and intimations right. of incitation. I wanted to get it right the first yeah. time because I knew what uh, I was doing. Away for alliteration. Okay. Merry Christmas and welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I am Terry and with me today are Dan and Kyle. And this episode is called Bards, Indications and Intimations of Incitation and Inflammation of Inspiration, Invocations and Instigation Iterations. Wow. Whew. Only I'm the second time. <laughs> Okay, we've previously that we're willing to admit that we're willing to admit. <laughs> we've previously covered the colleges of lore, valor, and whispers in our first bards episode, which we started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second bards episode, we went over the colleges of eloquence, glamour, and swords, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to consider the defining work of their character, as well as their instrument, embarrassment, and muse. You can find these episodes as well as our other class episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast looks at the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft to see what new bardic colleges there are for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. It's not all slinging loot and sexy dragons though, as the panel of Dungeon Masters sifts through the optional class features in Tasha's and the additional bard spells that you might not know about. But as much as I love bards and what they have to offer, I want to ask you, Dan and Kyle, before we get started, what's your secret bard-like talent that our listeners might not know about? Should we roll? Sure. We got to do that more often. Dan I just, perfectly I blocked just that die. <laughs> They'll never know. Yeah, you did. I got four. I got an oh, 18. One. Okay. What are my Dan. special bard-like talent? Bard-like talents? Slap a debas, mom. Um, well, I mean, I've said I'm a musician. I It has gone back in podcast history and is fairly cemented lore that I build furniture. Um <laughs> Uh, which, thank you for that, Terry. Uh, the emails still come. Uh, <laughs> as do my clients. A oh, wink. I, I, I'm good at creating things. I'm good at that. I love telling stories. If I didn't, why am I putting on a Dungeons & Dragons podcast? Sure. So I've, I've always been a great storyteller. Um, or rather, I've always just enjoyed the act of storytelling. Greatness is subjective. Um, but... A true artist. Um, <laughs> the, the one thing I think a lot of people on the podcast don't know about is i can also draw 
Um, I I have you're so artistic. You I have, have a lot some of skill as an artist, especially with uh, uh, pencils, uh, like specifically pencil. I can't paint more shit. You give me a marker and I will ruin a I will ruin a coloring book page. But you give me like colored pencils and different uh, gradient levels of graphite, and I'll 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 go to town. Really? Yeah. 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 You're so artistic. I've seen a lot of your talents. I am not. I'm barely skating through life on charisma alone. If I'm honest with you, um, are you? I can't do things with my hands very well. I can't sing very well. I can imitate things with my voice quite well sometimes but my main bardic skill and i guess you guys don't see that too often with when we hang out is i'm very good at improv if i have to put my game face on it's come up so many times in my career if it's hey game face on somebody dropped out you gotta go on stage and talk in front of these five thousand people a couple of years ago there was like you know like the breast run for cancer or whatever they were always doing in vancouver and there's like five thousand ten thousand people or something there i had to go up with 30 seconds notice and address all of these people on this thing for our company which we i didn't know was going to be happening it didn't go the way we thought it was going to happen i've had to do it in front of a high school so many times so i'm very good at just game face on let's go i'll talk in front of a thousand people if i need to you have just described a fear of mine like straight up nightmare terror no like stepping in front of five thousand people without any sort of prep work i no i'm not like thank you i mean sometimes i'll trip over my words and things when we do this because i'm just in the moment but if it's me collecting myself and talking like my dream is literally to do like a ted talk or something and my like you want to be a motivational speaker and not like that because i've started to lose faith in those things with the because i just don't believe a lot of it now anyway we don't need to go down that road but something not necessarily inspirational but educational for sure on whatever topic that i'm talking about uh but my like secret like sexy perverted job that i would love i would love to do something like a white house press secretary oh really come at me yeah i'll fucking make you cry were they you on debate club me. like uh no no I, I went to a school in northern england where we didn't have things like that yeah that's the fastest way to get beaten up in middlesbrough england let me tell you that okay <laughs> well I, I do want to point out i mean we've said this on the podcast before you are probably one of the most encouraging people in our like little uh it's a mimic admin i don't suffer bullshit either though no especially when believe things i won't go with it yeah but especially you don't suffer the bullshit people sling at themselves either right like we had one guy say oh you know i I, i'm shit at this and you're like no you're not just try harder you could do it i believe in you you're awesome you're You're amazing what i try and like tell people what i did in like my previous career was that you're not like it was obviously like fitness related but you're not the anomaly that exercise and nutrition won't work for like, it, it's just you have to do it. Or if you're not good at something, it's just that you, you just need to practice it. You know, like, so I'm, I'm, but I don't like things that are fake inspiration. So there's a lot of things with mental health right now on the internet where it's like words of encouragement that go up and it's constant memes and like nice backgrounds and remember this and normalize this. And just all that to me is people saying, remember, you are sad. That's all it is. It doesn't help. Otherwise, we still wouldn't be talking about it all the time. Yeah. So, like, I don't suffer that bullshit. I think there's better ways to fix problems. Cool. Kyle? Interesting. Um, if I would have to say anything, this is going to sound really self-serving, but uh, my sensual dance moves and my disarming <laughs> smile. <laughs> it, it is It is quite disarming. And Kyle's also funny as well. That's a, that's a thing to put across. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think everyone got that. I was going to say, like, both Terry and I have got lead feet, so I would assume that at least one of the three of us could dance. Yeah. Oh, I can't dance. With I love shit. to dance. Oh, I, I'll be honest. I love it. 
I got I got the bass player head bob. I got that down like uh, I white guy down so much, man. I wish I had rhythm. Is it is it all arms and no shoulders? It's uh no, I think it's too much shoulders, and that's making up for the lack of hips. Oh, you know what okay. I'm saying? It's yeah. a lot of this, and you know, uh, it's audio medium. They don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> dancing badly. Dancing badly is what I'm doing. I mean, he's British. You I can, think you we've can all that. seen right. that person dancing, though. So I think we it's all me. know what you're yeah. going for. Yeah, it's me and Dan. Do you, do you have like a style that you prefer? Uh, like, are you good with like Latin style dancing? Or I did take swing? tango for a little while. Okay. Um, I did that. Not swing. I don't know. I guess just free form dancing. I like going to like clubs. I like going to shows. I go to a lot of concerts. So cool. Nice. So before we move into the new stuff, let's do a little refresher of the class features for bards. So we know for hit dice, they get 1d8. Uh, we know that they're proficient with light armor. They get simple weapons. They get hand crossbows, rapiers, short swords, long swords. Uh, we know that they're going to get three musical instruments of their choice and that their dex, save is dex and charisma are their saving throws and that they get to choose uh, three skills as well. And it's any three. Any three. Mm. Which is correct. immense, especially considering they also get three music instruments. And I want to be at the party where there's a bard who is frequently rolling his proficiencies on all three of those musical instruments. Like a one-man band. So he's got like the drum. At all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So bards are charisma-based spellcasters. One of the most famous abilities uh, that they have, I guess, is their bardic inspiration, where they get to give out a d6 of uh, of uh, inspiration die, which people can use, you know, to help them with that. I think it's a is it just ability checks or is it save throws as well? I it's, forget. it's it's saving throws and ability checks, um, and basically any like you could do it on weapon attacks as well. Mm-hmm. Basically, any roll of a d20 you can use bardic inspiration for. Right. Um, it also scales up to eventually like a d12. And is you get them back at a short rest, you get a whole pile of them. Like they are like the key feature of a bard outside of spellcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second level is where you're going to see them get their jack of all trades and their song of rest. But third level is one of the more important ones. That's when they choose their college, whether it's valor or swords or or any of the other ones that we've covered so far. And that's also where they get their expertise feature. Um, I know. You know, sometimes people say that one leads to them being a little bit overpowered, uh, but it's certainly one that uh, makes you, you get to add, what is it? You add to your proficiency, don't you? And you, I double, exactly. you double, you your, double your proficiency. So essentially you kind of become really, really, well, you become an expert uh, in a certain amount of skills. Fifth level, they'll get their font of inspiration. Sixth level is where they get counter charm. Magical secrets at tenth level, and then they get their superior inspiration at twentieth level. Yeah, as well. their, their font of inspiration gives them the ability to use the bardic inspiration as a short rest ability. Their uh, magical secrets lets them tap into other schools of magic entirely to add to their bardic knowledge, um, which gives them access to spells like fireball and wish and um like these great level miracle eventually with it too right like mm-hmm. they they get to be pretty awesome um and finally uh you get counter charm which if you are playing in a party full of fighters and rogues i mean come on man you're you're going to use that you're going to use it often because that's the way you defeat a party full of fighters and rogues <laughs> um with a superior inspiration at level 20 um you will always have at least one bardic inspiration mm-hmm. so you could really tell that the entire class is based around. Based around buffing. Yeah. Essentially, right? Um, but they have some additional spells now, uh, which are coming from uh, from other publications, um, apart from Xanathar's and apart from uh, the Player's Handbook. So we got a couple here from Acquisitions Incorporated, as well as uh, coming out of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So I'll quickly go over them, but I won't go into too much detail here. 
Um, distort value is a good one. So you cast this spell on an object and essentially you get to either double its value or half its value by kind of putting like illusory little marks on it or cleaning it up and making it super polished. Yeah. Um, so you can manipulate the value. Fucking love that spell. <laughs> I love that one too. Gift of the Gap is one of my favorite ones. I'm going to go over the details of that one in particular at the end because uh, Gift of the Gap just suits me just fine. Um, Fast Friends from Acquisitions Incorporated. So while the creature is charmed, uh, it allows you to charm a creature. And while it's charmed in that way, um, it undertakes to perform any service or activities you ask of it in a friendly manner to the best of its ability. So there is rules around that, of course. Like if it senses that it's going to die as a result, you can't do that. But what a great way to, to play with an NPC. Intellect Fortress from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Not one for me, but some people like it. Um, it grants the, the creature you cast on it resistance to psychic damage, as well as an advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. It's, it's probably not the type of thing I would use, but it is useful. Oh, it's a super powerful spell. Yeah, it's, Especially if you got that Bear Totem Barbarian in the party, and you're like, hey, guess what? Now you are immune, uh, resistant Exactly, to and that's yeah. perfect. But you know what? I, what I realized is I shy away from the buffing spells, and mine are more about the fucking up things yeah, yeah i like the chaos of it all you know um i feel like when you buff people it's often a thankless job um so motivated speech from acquisitions incorporated so from the duration each affected creature gains five temporary hit points and also gets advantage on wisdom saving throws um if an affected creature is hit by an attack is that it has advantage on the next attack roll that it makes as well cool Okay, Dream of the Blue Veil from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So you and eight friends, it's a 10-minute casting time, can be transported to a safe place somewhere on the material plane. Yeah, and that's that's other worlds, other planets, other things as well, right? Like anywhere on the material plane, full stop. Right. Do you get to choose or is it like at random kind you of thing? You get to choose. All right. Yeah. That's but really the one unique. that I said I wanted to go through in more detail was Gift of the Gap. This one's from Acquisitions Incorporated. This is a second level enchantment, and it's done as a reaction. That's the casting time. And so what happens It's instantaneous. When you cast this spell, you skillfully reshape the memories of listeners in your immediate area so that each creature of your choice within five feet of you forgets everything that you said within the last six seconds. So one round. Those creatures then remember that you actually said those words you speak as the verbal component of the spell. So that basically means that if you say something incorrectly or it doesn't go to plan, you just get a do-over. You just do it again. And so, they'll just go along with it. So that is uh, spell-ified uh, podcasting. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like it would have been really useful in the campaign I'm playing right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds I, like it would be really useful in my day-to-day -day life. It, yeah. <laughs> this is the type of thing that I would use. Yes, and then all the guards pull their swords out, and then you do it again. You go, no, and then they don't. Yeah. It's exactly that. Okay, so let's get in some arguments then. Uh, okay. Or debates, whatever right. we say. Let's discuss. Um, so there's a couple of abilities here that I want to go over with you, and then, uh, and then we can have a conversation about it. So the first one is a second-level bard feature known as Magical Inspiration. This is from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. If a creature has Bardic Inspiration die from you and casts a spell that restores hit points or deals damage, the creature can roll that die and choose a target affected by the spell. You add the number rolled as the bonus to the hit points regained or the damage dealt if it's damage dealing and the Bardic Inspiration die is then lost. So the question I have for the both of you is, do you allow this at your table or is the level, um, uh, or is this level already powerful enough? Let's roll. That's 16... 18 Five. coming up on top um yeah sure why not i mean i don't think it's a crazy powerful ability i mean i actually i'd probably do the healing but not the damage so i i have problems with this because 
basically this makes College of Valor, all bards could do a little bit of College of Valor now, is what this gets lets you do, where you can now add your bardic inspiration to damage, straight okay. up, okay? Now, what this also does is it lets you still use the bardic inspiration, um, still use the bardic inspiration for an ability, and then add it to the damage. It's weird, oh. it's super powerful, and... Friends, if you crit, this is a dice rolled on the attack. Yeah. You get to add that. That's good. And if you're up at like level 15 and you're rolling a d12, you're rolling a dice just as great as a great axe. Yeah. Right? There are issues with this. I don't really mind it, to be honest, just because bards are limited at early levels. So I'm glad they get this at level 2 and they could use it at level 2. But this just stays powerful as you continue through and your bardic inspiration changes. We mentioned how much bards are based around bardic inspiration. So um, I, I think this is a step too far. I would I, I would I would allow it at my table um, only because bards don't get a lot of bardic inspirations, right? It's not enough of a thing to limit it from the table. But if they're playing College of Eloquence with this, it might become broken. Right. I would allow it at my table, even though I recognize the issues with it, because as soon as you start to change things from written text, it just causes you more issues later because things will come up for other people. Now, people won't bring up these issues when they're happy. It's as soon as things go wrong that another player will say, well, you changed it for them or you changed it for this. Or now this means that my, my thing is not as good because of this. And they get and it just ends up creating more issues later. So while there is a small issue here. It's easier for DM to walk to work around that issue which is known right now than have to deal with other issues that are going to come up on the fly later on as a result of you making a special yeah. uh, giving special treatment. So yeah, I definitely agree with the issues, but in the way I would combat it is I would work my campaign around that instead. Yeah, just plan your encounters knowing that that could be a possibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So the next one I want to talk about is Bardic Versatility. It's a fourth level Bard feature. So whenever you reach uh, the the point in your class where you get an ability score improvement, you can also replace one of the skills from your expertise with another skill, or you can replace one cantrip you learned um, with another cantrip from the Bard spell list. So I guess my question for this one is, do you think that Bards really need this update? Um, Okay, so go ahead, Kyle. Um, So I would let them change their cantrips because... I'm like I'm at a point right now in my campaign where I am stuck with a bunch of cantrips I'm not using and there's no real other chance to change them. I just have to wait until I get another one. But I wouldn't let them change their expertise because I don't know, when you're building your character, they spent their whole life basically gaining these skills, right? So it seems kind of crazy to be able to arbitrarily change them. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm 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 in the same boat. Like uh, change the cantrips around? Yeah. Um, we've talked on like I think the clerics episode and, and various other things. The ability to like sorry you being locked down to a cantrip for so long is kind of limiting, and I'm more than okay with giving parties a little bit more versatility. Not saying every long rest, but once every four levels or even every level, I typically do. You could change out a cantrip. I'm okay with that. Expertise though, fuck that. Yeah. Right. Um. I have a general rule where you could do tweaks with your character at my table until you're level three. And I kind of just, just clear it with me first, but you could pretty much tweak anything up until level three. That's just a home rule I play with. Um, but after that, you're set in stone. You don't get to change what your exp- expertise is because that changes your character in a, way, a certain way. Yeah. Right. 
I like that home rule that you have there because that's a time when it might be a new party, new group of players. They're trying to feel each other out. Exactly. How's everybody going to be using their characters? And if you play in heavy roleplay games like we do, you're feeling the character out. Right. Right? And if all of a sudden you're like, no, this guy's a dick. I don't want to play this one for the next four years. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I even agree with what you said about the cantrips in comparison to the expertise. Cantrips, yeah. I feel like it makes sense that you would essentially forget or have a bit of skill fade on a cantrip you can do that with the story where you just start using this one and so you forget this one that's fine but when it comes to an expertise that's a skill that you've acquired in your life that will not be forgotten you don't suddenly forget how to pick locks exactly you've always yeah. done it yeah. so for the narrative i just can't make it fit uh so i agree with you dan on that one happy holidays and merry Chrysler. Uh, yes, uh, happy, merry... Ho-ho. Ho. And stuff from the It's a Mimic podcast. Group of people. And the folks. You guys are the fucking worst. <laughs> You're so good at this. Will you please just do a regular commercial? <laughs> this is not that. It's like nine words. Uh, 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 that was nine words. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it in nine words. <laughs> merry Christmas from us. Stay safe. Don't be stupid. Was that nine? <laughs> that was that nine. nine. Oh. <laughs> Good enough. Um. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the subclasses. I guess it's just the two of you doing subclasses tonight. I guess so, yeah. So it's only the both of you that have to roll initiative, <laughs> and I don't do anything. So, uh, so the both of you pick up your dice. Uh, you can roll initiative, and whoever goes first goes first. Let's see it. I got a natural 20. Ooh, 11. So, that uh, means Dan goes twice. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, following in line with a natural 20, I'm going to go with uh, the College of Creation Bard from Tasha's. This is a college of bards that really feel that all of creation is art. And because all of creation is art, they pull from that art to cast their spells and, and um, benefit their party and manipulate the world around them in their own special way. Okay. Um, one of the little tidbits of information I really loved from this was um, there is a college of creation uh, poem that all bards of creation learn. And it is before the sun and the moon, there was the song and its music awoke at the first dawn. Its melody so delighted the stones and trees that some of them gained a voice of their own. And now they sing, too. Learn the song, students, and you, too, can teach the mountains to sing and dance. This is my least favorite way of communicating. Okay. Well, here's a fun thing about this, Terry. There's a little uh, further little uh, nugget here where it says that Dragonborn, um, I mean, you get you get the long live, like the the... The tinkery, the creative races, of course, will go towards this. So your dwarves and your um, gnomes. But your dragonborn who worship Bahamut and Tiamat, who are very foundational gods in the typical pantheon, mm -hmm. um, also lean towards this heavily, which made my brain spin out of control with character creations right. all the way down. Right. Like just all of the different flavors of dragon added in this. And then you could throw in a little bit of the ordning and their hatred of uh, giant. It, it just, oh, I, I got carried away. Anyways, let's talk about what they can do. At third level, when you get this college, you get a couple things. You get motive potential and performance of creation. 
Motive potential is your ability that's going to affect your bardic inspiration. Basically, whenever you uh, cast a bardic inspiration on somebody, um, it carries with it a motive potential, which is often seen as like a little illusory uh, musical note or a star or flower or other symbol that you choose that floats with them as a visible representation of your inspiration. I love this. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this that. Little, just this little illusory, like, means really nothing. It has no effect, but it's just adds so much flavor to this, right? You speak that word of creation, uh, of creating an inspiration for that character, and it has a physical effect. Mm. Bardic inspiration is always so easy to forget. Sounds like a virtue signal to me, but sure. Sure. Mm. I, okay. Well, when you have your bardic inspiration, depending on what you do with it, one of three things can occur. If you use your bardic inspiration to aid in, a, in an ability check, what this does is the moat of uh, inspiration pops and emits colorful, harmless sparks for a moment and gives you basically advantage with your bardic inspiration dice on that saving throw. So you can roll two of that dice and take the higher for that saving throw. Okay. Okay. The physical effect is this thing pops, emits this nice little ch chime sound. And the mechanical thing is, okay, well, now I'm rolling 2d6 and taking the highest on this ability check. When it's an attack, it's something different. Um, when you do an attack, basically, the moat thunderously explodes instead of just a nice relaxing charm. And it causes each creature of your choice as the bard, not the creature attacking, um, to make a... Constitution saving throw, it and every creature within five feet of it of your choice, um, or take thunder damage equal to the number rolled on the Bardic Inspiration dice. Love it. Okay. I'm in. Wait, so does that mean that the character that you uh, gave inspiration to is also making those constitutions? So so, so here's, here's how it plays out. I'm a bard. Kyle, you're up rogue. You are sneaking up on somebody. Okay. Um, I inspire you and you decide, I'm a rogue. I'm great at sneaking. I'm just going to use it for the attack. You use it for the attack. There's this massive explosion. You're fighting three goblins. The three goblins are standing in a nice, neat little line because they're goblins and I'm just letting you kill things. I then say, the three goblins, not Kyle. And the three goblins roll constitution saves and then take damage equal to the uh, dice. Now remember, Bardic Inspiration gets up to D12. This is not a small amount of damage. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay? Finally, if you use that Bardic Inspiration on a saving throw specifically... Um, immediately after the creature rolls the inspiration die and adds it to the saving throw, it the moat vanishes with a uh, soft sound of music or whatever it is, causing the creature who used that uh, bardic inspiration to gain temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the inspiration die plus your charisma modifier minimum of one. And they're temporary hit points. Mm. So this just gave your uh, bardic inspiration a healing effect. And by the way, this is all saving throws, which includes death saves. Oh, oh, there we go. So if you are rolling a death save and your friend goes, you can do it. <laughs> you roll, add the bardic inspiration, you get a hit point. Minimum one. Stand up. You're fine. Yeah. I mean, with the rules with temporary hit points, if you stand up and then you get knocked back down again because you're a Chumbawamba song, um, you can... You, you're, the amount of death saves you have where your status is on death saves isn't changed. So if you're like two death saves, uh, two fails and two successes and you fall back down again after getting that temporary hit point, you're still at two fails, two successes. Oh, so, so you got to do a bit of traditional healing afterwards. But you it gives you a chance to get up and run away. You need to increase actual hit points to stop death saving throw progress. Right. Okay. Temporary hit points will not do that for you. 
Okay. That's one of their big things. Clearly, it's been a while on it. Let's move on to their uh, performance of creation, which is where, as an action, you channel, and this is once per long rest, you can channel uh, the song of creation to create one non-magical item of your choice, whatever you want, within 10 feet of you. It must appear on a surface or in a liquid that could support it. The gold value of that item cannot exceed more than 20 times your bard level. So at this well, level I mean, would be 60 gold, a 60 gold item yeah. right. that you can just create as an action right. once per long rest. Um, and it can be no more than, it can only be medium or smaller sized. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. This item glimmers, have so some make sort a of wagon. Then. Uh, I mean, Not wait yet. for it. Um, you can, when you create this item, it does hum, it glimmers, it has a small effect showing that it is something pulled straight from the source of creation itself. Um, and if you need examples, but not your full entitled list, you can check the player's handbook for that. Now, you can't do this again until you do another long rest, or if you spend a second level or higher spell slot to do it again. And is the rules on complexity of the item? Like, is it is it a box or a clock? Do you know what it, I mean? You know? It is one non-magical item. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, you can only have one item at a time and disappears a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus. Right. Okay. So at level three, that'd be two hours. Opportunity to get creative though. Yep. Um, it, it really adds that versatility to it. Now, here's the fun bit. The size of the object changes at sixth and 14th level where it could be a large or huge item. So, yes, Terry, you can create a wagon. Yeah. Well, now I want a boat. You, you can, can do, do it. it. At 14th level, what, 14 times 20 is 2,800? Keep in mind, it only lasts as long as your proficiency bonus. Yeah. So, be wary. Yeah. But right? yeah, what, <laughs> don't make, get carried away. if you make a tent? <laughs> it's raining. Yeah, right? Cool. So, at 6th level, you get uh, animating performance, which is where you could target a large or smaller object within 30 feet of you and animate it as an action now this gives you a stat block for a dancing item um, but basically gives you a summon that you can command around a table using the same summon rules as a summoning spell okay it's will only take the dodge action on its turn which goes immediately after yours on the initiative no matter what the initiative roll is it has a full turn it has a full character uh, loadout itself but you have to spend your bonus action to make it do something unique on your turn, okay? That's the only way you can make it do anything other than the dodge action. But on action. its turn, it can only do the dodge action. Unless you unless you spent your bonus action to tell it to do something. Okay. Okay? Now, its hit points uh, and its uh, a lot of its stats are kind of based off of yours. So its hit points are 10 plus 5 times your bard level, which at this point is 6th. So 40 hit points. Okay, yeah. um, it's got a whole slew of uh, construct level immunities and resistances, um, and has some fun effects to it. Where um, it has an immutable form, which means it is immune to any spell or effect that would alter its form. Okay. So okay. Yeah. you animate the can you animate the candelabra to do a thing, and no one can be like, no, that's actually a French person trying to have sex with a broom. It's not the way. Or sorry, is it a duster? I think it's a duster. Oh, it's like Tea a house. little, it's a little dusty. It's a dusty. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hot accent, though. <laughs> Disney movies were part of my sexual awakening, yeah. I think, these characters. Probably we're not going to unpack that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is literally beautiful. Uh, so the other thing you could do is uh, whenever a creature starts within 10 feet of that item, the item 
can uh, increase or decrease the walking speed of that creature by 10 feet, your choice, until the end of your turn, providing it's not incapacitated. Okay. So what that means is, and by the way, that's not an action. That's just a trait of the item. Right. Mm -hmm. You could just drop this thing in the middle of a, a crowd of guys who are trying to run away. And they now all move 10 feet slower as long as they're within 10 feet of this thing. Your choice. The innate ability of this thing. Ooh, your creative. party, Your party's running fast. You animate something that could be carried. Now your entire party can move 10 feet faster. Mm -hmm. Now the monk's a bullet. Now the, well, well, for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they already were. I mean, yeah. Okay. Bullet Who's noticing at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. Now... Um, whenever you use your bardic inspiration feature, you can command the item at the same time as well. So if you're using your bonus to inspire somebody, you can use that same bonus action to tell your item to do something. So you're not doubling up on bonus actions. It's a twofer. Yeah. And here's the downside. You can only animate one a day, one per long rest. Unless you spend a third level or higher spell slot, you get the ability to summon another one again. Or to rather to animate another thing again. Okay. If you do this the, and the first one's still animated, it becomes an animate. You can only have one at a time. Okay. That's fucking badass. Now, if you're wondering what actions you can tell it to do, you get the whole slew of normal actions, but it does have an attack, which is a force-powered slam, which is you, which uses your spell attack modifier to hit and does 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus force damage as damage. 1d10. Yeah. This thing, this thing, this thing hits. Yeah. Okay. Finally, at 14th level, you get the creative crescendo, which is when you could use your per, uh, performance of creation, which is that uh, creating a random item whenever you want uh, feature. You now can create more than one item at once. The number of items equals your charisma modifier. And if you choose uh, to create an item that would exceed that number, you have the oldest one becomes or disappears. Okay. Now, other caveat is you can only create one item at the maximum size. Everything else must be small or tiny, but you can do as many of them as you want up to your charisma modifier at a time, and you are no longer limited by gold value when creating this object. Oh. That in mind, let's hear what Tasha has to say about them, and it is that one, one bard's one fuck. That's one, what she said, exactly. <laughs> one bard's song of creation is the score to another person's nightmare, and I could tell you as a DM, yeah. This this is this is your uh, magic. You got to be on your toes if you're dealing with this. Yeah, you do. You so do. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I have for this. Man, guy. okay. Well, let's get to rolling some initiative on this. So I got some questions. So we'll All roll right. initiatives. Keep it simple. We'll use the same order, and I'll throw these three questions at you one at a time. That's, that was perfect, Dan. That's the second time you've impeded me tonight. I got a ten. I got a seventeen. I got an eight. What are your, questions, with your questions? Oh yeah, sorry, Kyle. I'm staring at <laughs> Kyle staring back you at me. You just got lost. You know in what happened in that three smile. seconds? I was thinking he's staring at me like I'm stupid, but I know I'm correct, and yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> okay, so well, you are correct. Thank you. <laughs> what stats, race, background clearly synergizes well with this build? Um, I mean, honestly, I think you could fit anyone into there. I mean, the book mentions dragonborns, gnomes, dwarves, uh, but I also think you could use uh, gensai fairies. Um, and probably I'd use the uh, Outlander or uh, Sailor background. Right. Yep. Cool. Sailor. Oh, sailor okay. works. Like you are the bosun on the ship and you actually yeah. have to fix shit. I like yeah. it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I All right, guys. We spent have... a lot of time out in the middle of nowhere just commuting. With I thought you said genocide for a second. Yeah. As well, that bothered me. Okay. We have two hours of using this mask. Use it well. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was, was leaning into Acolyte background. 
I thought the really? whole idea of creation here, I thought there's something we could draw from this, yeah. right? I could make that work. And kind of make this guy the religious bard? I, I like religious characters. I really yeah, do. Absolutely. I like leaning into that. And uh, and I think I could do something with an acolyte background with this. Uh, for me, what I really was leaning towards, funny enough, was a, a Simic hybrid. Okay. Um, just, just the, like... Um, pure chaos of creation i i was also thinking uh genasi because of the chaos aspect of them um because this is a guy who doesn't care about the modern order of things he knows what song all of reality is built on and has the power to tap into it so why would he follow your set of laws mm, okay interesting. so i with this guy i go i mean guild artisan is a given but uh for backgrounds but I honestly, I, I like Outlander. I like uh, Far Traveler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or even Folk Hero. The guy that just always has what he needs in that given situation. Folk Hero, like, uh, like as a gnome or something, maybe? Um, yeah. Honestly, Rock Gnome is just easy with this. Yeah. Right? The little mm-hmm. tinkerer. It's just easy with this. So there's so much possibility with this class. It's hard to choose one. I like Dragonborn. I kind of like the idea of like a Goliath or some weird, uh, what is not weird. One of the tr- more tribal races like half orcs as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're out there surviving in the land, having what you need on hand at any given time is such a boom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And having a guy that could pull from that and kind of a, um, uh, very tribal, almost witch doctor. It's kind like of a, yeah, it's like an, an ancient magic that perhaps the more civilized races just can't tap into. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, next question, then. Same order. In your opinion, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to role-playing this subclass? Uh, it's very versatile, right? Like, you... It has a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, I think because we've moved away from, like, just the classic minstrel with bards, you can, you can have showmans of different types so i mean even like sticking with what i said about acolytes there to have some sort of religious personality that still fits with the whole showman thing you can so you can lean into the skills of this subclass um but still being true to like the bard class when it comes to role play i don't know if you guys have ever seen this you probably haven't there's a british show called phoenix knights okay it's a british comedy it's uh, it's very famous in the uk but it's just about this like type of social club thing anyway i won't go into too many details where they get performers and stuff and one of the acts that comes on is a guy named clinton baptiste and he's like a psychic but he's like a oh. fake psychic but he, he he this would that type of character would be perfect for this where it's a bard but it's a showman based on something else right this very much is your like run-of-the-mill street magician yeah that's what oh, yeah. this guy is right like yeah. uh i want to say dave Batista, <laughs> David Blaine. David Blaine, yeah. Just stares at you as he's doing this in front of you. Just keeps staring at you with that stare. Sounds like he's putting his own face to sleep. I was well, thinking more like, you know, hey kids, you want to see a living puppet and then you have a little marionette. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. Well. Okay, so this is also your serial killer then. Yeah. Oh, did you hear that? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any potential oversights or mechanical imbalances, Kyle? First. Uh, I don't think so. I don't see any, at least. Good good answer. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. There's challenges, right? Like when you're affecting movement and you're giving the DM a lot of things to think about. Even, even the other players at the table now have to try and clue into what you're trying to do with this character. Mm. That they, they may not have seen these abilities before. Um, but, so it's not mechanical imbalance, but it's certainly a mechanical challenge. Do you mean like in character or like just another player... Like may not get what you're trying to do with it. Oh, I mean, uh, as a DM, it would be hard to handle. I'm a saying college both creation sides. Bar. I'm saying mm-hmm. both sides. As a DM, this is going to be difficult to work around because these are 
these are very, um, you know, it's not like they're damage heavy. There, a couple of them were there, but it's like mechanically heavy. You, 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 you're changing movement speeds and you're working around things like that. Things that you may not expect from from player characters traditionally, but also when you're in a team, you kind of expect what the rogue is going to do, what the bard's going to do, whatever. When you have something like this, where it's very unique abilities that you might not have seen before, it's difficult to kind of try. What are they doing on their turn? Where do they want me to be based on this action? You know, so it's it can be it can be hard to work around. Um, in terms of weaknesses, I mean, you're basing some damage off of uh the bardic inspiration, which does scale up to d12 so it's not exactly a small amount of damage but that's at level 15 mm. that's a small amount of damage mm. right um i think the biggest oversight in this is the fact that you are not limited by gold value for that item at 14th level you can create a trebuchet well you could create a uh 20 foot by 20 foot block of solid gold sell it to a merchant with, I don't know, gift of gab or enhanced value. So now you're selling it at double price. Yeah. Or distort value is the spell. Does, it, does a giant it. ice cube count as an item? Is Why ice not? an item, but water is not. Why not? <laughs> you The limitation of this class is the imagination of your player. Right. Yeah. Right? But at well, the same time, you have that big-ass chunk of fucking gold. You sell it to a merchant in four hours at this point, because your proficiency at level 14 is four or five it's around there yeah um it disappears well doesn't it say that it has kind of like an ethereal quality it does it? it hums it glows yeah it, it has well, you could use that to if add i to saw the that would be you like could use that to add to the value yeah. though right <laughs> oh fancy yeah. so, so like I mean, that thing is haunted for sure yeah yeah oh yeah 100 the thing's haunted. <laughs> the guy who runs the general store is like how do you expect me to pay for this yeah. where is this infinite gold that you think yeah. those merchants have all the time yeah. Yeah. so you want me to give you gold for gold yeah is that what you're... But this is also like a non-magical item of your creation. It could be as detailed or as bland as you want, right? You have that quest to go grab that humming magic sword of ancient renown. Well, fuck, oh yeah, walk out, walk into the alley, pop it into your hand. Wait a minute, walk back in. Got it, here you go. Yeah. What's the next quest? Gotta go, gotta be out of town in about <laughs> three hours and 56 minutes. Can't hang around. Ugh. Yeah. Right, like it, it's it's just one of those things where it if you're not prepared for this class as a DM, um, it's going to take you by surprise. Yeah. So if you have one of these at your table, I'm not saying limit them. I'm saying be open. Yes, and with these guys a yeah. lot, um, but be prepared for shenanigans. It's just going to happen as part of the class. You got to think. You got to think judo with these people. Okay, it's that you push, I pull. All right, if that's the way you want to go. But let's see it through. But let's see it through in its entirety. Because okay. you're laughing because it's going to disappear in four hours. But me, the DM, I'm also laughing because it's going to disappear in four hours. And there will be repercussions of this. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to think of those right now. Let's get through the session and let's see what bounty hunter or whatever is following you tomorrow. You know, or cool. next week. Yeah. Second subclass. That's well, that, you. That's me. All right. Uh, so we are talking about... College of the Spirits, a.k.a. Spooky Bards. Ooh, Spooky oh, Bards. Right. I'm in. We're about uh, to get spooky up in here. <laughs> so, uh, the College of the Spirits, uh, they seek to gather tales, whether legends, histories, or fictions, and through occult means, bring those stories to life, conjuring their characters through magical means. According to the little blurb at the end, one of the things that you should think about when choosing College of the Spirits is that... Uh, what is the theme behind the stories you collect? What binds them together and really appeals to your character? 
This so. guy sounds like the Aaron Menke of the Bards. Like the guy who Aaron Menke is a podcaster. Okay, I realize wrong crowd talking to right now, but he's a podcaster who has influenced my work, my passion to do this a lot. He runs a podcast called Lore, where he just goes through and breaks down folklore legends. Really? And, oh, I would like that. Okay. Oh, it's it is fucking phenomenal. It's my it's one of my favorite What's podcasts. His name? Yeah. Aaron Minky. And the podcast is called Lore. Lore. Oh, Lore. He actually got a uh, deal with Amazon TV, and uh, his podcast is now like an animated show on Amazon Prime. Oh, oh cool. Shit. Yeah, like he's he's done really well for himself. I've just started listening to, he's got uh, a new one called Bridgewater, which is like Nathan Fillion, uh, Wait, Misha Collins, and a bunch of guys like telling a scary story that's heavily influ- influenced by folklore. I'm a massive folklore nerd, so like this is just checking all of my boxes. Oh, and it's a podcast? Yeah. Yes. Oh, there's yeah. no video for it? Yes. Mm. Right? Like I, I, I absolutely love Aaron Minkie. He is a spoopy bard. Like, that's what this guy is. Like, that's he's awesome. just spooky as hell. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. If you add magic to that, and then you bring it to life. So, for... It's podcast magic, Kyle. Podcast magic, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, shut up, Dan. I'm going through a thing. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, for features, uh, at third level, they get a number of these. Uh, the first being Guiding Whispers. By reaching out to the spirits for guidance, you gain uh, the guidance cantrip uh, with a range of 60 feet, and it does not count towards your cantrips known. Uh, you also get... Uh, spiritual focus uh, where you can choose as your spell casting focus either a candle a skull a crystal ball a spirit board or a taroka bo- deck uh, which is tarot cards tarot cards yeah, yeah. Um, D&D tarot cards uh, and at 6th level, through this, uh, this gets upgraded to whenever you deal damage or heal uh, with your spellcasting focus, you can roll a d6 and add that to either your damage or your healing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, what type of damage is it? Uh, any kind of damage. Oh. As long as you're doing it through your spellcasting focus. And and real quick, you said that the guidance has a range of 60 feet? Correct. Normal guidance is range of touch, y'all. Yeah. Holy shit. It's kind of like a free bardic inspiration. Yeah, it's an additional bardic inspiration. That's okay. I'm 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 loving the hell out of this. Just wait, it gets better. I hope so. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, And then the final third level ability is Tales from Beyond. Yes, it is. Yeah, Uh, using your spellcasting focus and one of your bardic inspirations, uh, you reach out to the spirit realm uh, for a spooky tale of power to aid you in your quest. Uh, Rolling your bardic die determines which tale you get. Uh, You can only hold one tale in your mind at a time, and it stays with you either until you roll again uh, on this table or you finish a short or long rest. The tale can only be used once per roll on the table, and to unleash it, you must, uh, as an action, target one creature, yourself included, um, within 30 feet of you. Uh, If there is a DC, it equals your spell save DC. So yeah, there's 12 different ones. Obviously, as your bardic inspiration die goes up, um, you'll unlock more. I'll just take a couple at random. Uh, number one is Tale of the Clever Animal for the next 10 minutes. Whenever the target makes an intelligence, a wisdom, or a charisma check, the target can roll an extra die immediately after rolling the d20 and add the extra die's number to the check. The extra die is the same type as your Bardic Inspiration die. Uh, there's also ooh, number eight, 
Tale of the Phantom. The target becomes invisible until the end of the next turn. Fuck off. Yeah. Or until it hits a creature. If the target hits a creature with an attack during this invisibility, the creature it hits takes necrotic damage equal to a roll of your bardic inspiration die and is frightened until the end of your next turn. No save? No. Uh, uh, yeah, no save. What? Oh. That's powerful. Yeah. Uh, you get this at 6th level? Uh, when do you hit 1d8? Right away? No. 1d8, you get a 5. Uh, yep, 5 then. Dan knows everything. Dan knows everything. And then another one I really like is uh, the last one, Tale of the Mindbender. Uh, You evoke an incomprehensible fable from an otherworldly being. The target must succeed on an intelligence saving throw or take psychic damage equal to three rolls of your bardic inspiration die and be stunned until the end of its next turn. Which is ridiculous. When you hit 1d12... This is like you just reciting uh, Vogon poetry from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, D12s, I believe, are level... Oh, fuck. That I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, Oh, damn. Guess. Guess. Okay, I've got it here. Don't guess, but recall. Recall. You get it at 15th level. (laughs) Dan looked, but that's fine. I was going to guess 15. Nobody knew until I told them, so that's fine. Um, all right. Now, uh, at sixth level, you get spirit sessions, whereby conducting an hour-long ritual, seance. Kyle, I mean, now yeah, look, yeah. Kyle's turned his hat around. Now looks like how yeah. Eminem looks now. Uh, no, we don't ooh. like that. I like how he's I matched his don't... hat to his know, that's shirt. That's what. That's point. You know, even worse. Oh no, they're not the same logos. Um, okay, <laughs> just completely fucking railed us. Yeah. Okay, come on. At I was on a roll. At sixth level, I was on a roll. Uh, now at sixth level, you get spirit sessions, whereby conducting an hour-long ritual. It's a seance. seance. It's yep. a seance yep. uh, to commune with the dead with a number of willing creatures up to your proficiency bonus. Um, you learn one spell of your choice from any class, so long as it's a divination or a necromancy spell of a level you can cast, and its level is equal to or less than the number of creatures partaking in the ritual seance. Um, the spell does not count towards the number of spells you know, and you know it until. Uh, you start a long rest, at which point you can also use that ability again. So you can just learn a new divination or necromancy spell every time you take a long rest. That's... I mean... It's powerful. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. I I just... Every single day, you got that one creepy dude in the group is like, alright guys, uh, gather around. <laughs> uh, no, we're gonna do lunch after this. So everybody gather around. We're gonna do lunch after this. <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling we'll need Scry. So everybody, uh, no, Barbarian, you could go and run in the woods for a second. We just need the four of us here. We'll just hold hands and murmur for a minute and I'll be able to Scry. Depends on the character, doesn't it? Because here's the thing, right? It's like uh, 30-year-old goth girls, still hot. 30-year-old goth dudes, it's like, come on, man. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's like letting go, dude. It doesn't work for both sexes, unfortunately. I'm also thinking of like a slumber party. You know, if you took the the spirit board, which is basically just Ouija. a Ouija board, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have everybody sitting around candlelight like this. Spirits, come talk to us. Greetings. And there's actually a cutout spirit board in the back of Fang Rickton's Guide to Ravenloft. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. Finally, at 14th level, you get Mystical Connection, which means uh, when you roll on the Tales from Beyond... Tales from Beyond! Yeah, you have to say it like that. Yeah. You're really selling this now. <laughs> yeah. even, even as your character, if you out there listening to this podcast are playing 
one of these bards. Yeah. If you do not say Tales from Beyond every single time you bard against fire, you're wrong. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, so now you get to roll two bardic inspiration die and choose which one uh, you want to use. And if you roll the same number on both dies, you can pick whatever one you want. Whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. It is great. It's kind of a little wild magic-y, which I like. Yeah. It is a way better wild magic. Oh, yeah. None of your wild magic shit does this level of damage. Yeah. yeah. None, of, none of it has this level of I know. I hope you don't have a wild magic sorcerer in the party at that time. Because they're <laughs> yeah, going to... Bum, 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 bum. Wow. <laughs> they would have been so excited as yeah. well. I'm hey, guys, probably... I just turned that thing into a potted plant. Feel my power from my tales from beyond. So is that it? Uh, that is pretty much it. And then I was just going to bring in uh, an insight about what makes this unique flavor. It's like a more fun wild magic sorcerer. It is. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, let's roll... Here are your three questions for me. I rolled a 10. Kyle I got a 16. A Dan rolled a 16. 15. And so I'll direct Just this question to Dan first. What stats, race, background clearly synergizes well with this build? Anything long lived that would have some sort of key into the stories and like experience there. Um, I also want something slightly nature based. So I like the idea of Fearbulg because they live a long life. Yeah, they're kind okay. of they're kind of country. Like whatever oh. this guy is, I'm I'm making them either kind of Bostonian or West Virginian, right? He's either Appalachian or he's from like in around the Gotham area. Cause he's right. going to like, this guy fits in great with a great old one warlock y'all like yeah. just, Oh, yeah. I've got like, if you want to play a spooky campaign, yes, just yes. Love it. Um, so anything long lived, uh, so an elf, a, uh, um, uh, fits great with it. I very rarely pitch them, but just roll human with this man, right? Yeah. Like, you could do so much with a human with this guy. Is that because it doesn't matter how much food, shelter, loved ones, whatever we surround humans with, we still found it, find an excuse to be sad all the time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have everything you need. You're in the top 1.5% of the globe. I'm sad. Yes. <laughs> who's, uh, who's next? You, Kyle. Uh, that's for me. Uh, for race, I'd have to say anything that has a strong storytelling history but not a lot of writing. I imagine like a strong oral tradition from where yeah. these guys come from. And then that's what they're doing. So like a half orc or yeah, a half orc or right. a lizard folk. Yo, um, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go background again and I'm going to go acolyte again. Because I'm getting pure like New Orleans, like voodoo oh, type, yes. like deep kind of vibes like that. And I would lean into, I would use, the, I would manipulate the acolyte background to make that work so well. I'm going like deep, like true blood type stuff here. This okay. this guy's a cryptozoologist. Like that's what yeah. this guy is. Yeah. He's like, have you guys ever heard of a chupacabra? Yeah. <laughs> a chupa thingy? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Come on. Right? Like, oh. He's the guy, like me, at parties who sits there and talks about Native American skin changer lore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dan really knows how to liven up, yeah. liven up a yeah. Canadian party. We fucking love talking about that stuff here. Please keep bringing that up. I'm fun at parties. Oh, God. Dan, yeah, I get invited to a bunch of them. Like, I've been to like four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Dan, in your opinion, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to role-playing this subclass? It comes with a lot of party-building activities, like with that seance. Yeah. Like, I'm not hand-waving that as a DM. And you have to sit there and be like, okay, guys. Like, I'm not saying, like, everyone around the table grab hands. COVID, be careful. Um, but, like... Hey, I did that, okay? It didn't go well. So. No. Well, um, like, I mean, I've... I've 
I grew up in a Christian household. The amount of the, every dinner time. You're over it. Yeah, You're yeah. over being done. Um, but like the, the, um, getting the party together and be like, all right, guys, we, we have to ask specifically a spirit that would give us access to this specific spell. All right. So it's going to go for it. Right. Um, also with these tales, you have 12 tales that you just have a title of flesh them out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Give your player the room to be like, okay, you want to, uh, table, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the fable of the two beasts or whatever that one was. Okay, well, tell me a spooky, st- uh, spooky story about two animals. Go right and and have that written out. I it, it, there's just so much potential for this. Yeah. Um, someone like me who's a big lore nerd, I am chopping at the bit for this. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a lot of strength behind it. I mean, it's so much fun in terms of role play. Right. Uh, I agree with you, like you should really come up with where your stories are coming from. I think it's a really important part of your background. It gives you a lot of chance to flesh out a character. Like if you really want to go in depth with it and really do a lot of research, this is the one to be. Yeah. And I think for the, as far as it comes to class, what are the strengths of the class? The bard as a class is your excuse to exaggerate things. Yeah, You know, it's your excuse to, it's almost for people to kind of question the, the legitimacy of something that you're doing. If you have a warlock that's exaggerated, people are like, okay, well, that makes sense. They fucking sold their soul, and every now and again, this dude shows up and tells them what to do. But with the bard, it's like, is it real? Is it not real? What's no. going on here? Like, you, you, we're all gathered around this candle now, and you're chanting something, and nothing's really happening. And then something kind of did happen, I guess, you know? And so uh, I, it really gives you an excuse to, to lean into the show. Right, mm-hmm. the showmanship, the exaggerating, and and I would even suggest I would put suggestions through that maybe it's not real, that people doubt it. <laughs> like, are you just getting lucky? Like, is that was that breeze going to happen anyway? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, oh, it's kind of like um, you know, when you're sitting around a campfire and someone tells a scary story, and then you start hearing the noises that were yeah. mentioned in the story. I was I was going to say if you're going to play one of these guys and you don't find a way to add thaumaturgy as a as a cantrip. Again, you're wrong. Yeah. Right? Like adding a little gust of wind or a little whisper in the wind or a little noise or making the candles on the in the room go out suddenly. Like yeah. Thaumaturgy leans heavily into this. So you need it. Yeah. Figure it figure it out. Get thaumaturgy. Yeah. Or even just find some ways for the smaller parts of the show to be proven as fake like whether you've yeah. got a familiar that's like wafting there's something or something but the 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 larger parts of it are real you know so the important stuff is actually happening but the little details that make it kind of spooky maybe the party finds out they're kind of fake i think that would be fun to work with okay dan last question i'm going to throw at you here sure. mechanical imbalances or mechanical mechanical imbalances are or there any? um i mean eventually the seance is going to get old um and you got to find a way to speed that up you got you got to find a way to speed it up and you got to find a way to keep it uh interesting and alive as a dm that's going to create some extra legwork um i don't know man i love the stories i love i love what they offer but they add so much to that bardic inspiration and it's not it doesn't go away with the bardic inspiration your player uses it and now for the next 10 minutes they have this buff Mm -hmm. remember that bardic inspiration is well they don't all work like that they don't all work like that, yeah. but like some of them do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're the temporary hit points. I'm thinking like that one that gives you a bonus, uh, gets you the Bardic Inspiration bonus on, or rather the same dice as your Bardic Inspiration bonus on Int, Wisdom, or Charisma saves for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, holy shit, right? That is so powerful. So I, I think there are some balance issues, 
but it is so infused with role play and narrative that I think the balance issues are easy to get around. Okay. Okay. I don't think they're crippling. Mm. We've seen crippling subclasses before. This isn't one of them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see one or two or maybe even three of these stories uh, work against you. Because I think they are so powerful. Yes. And you can use them so many times that it's just, it's, you're, you're screwed if you fight this guy. Yeah, I think he, I think an oversight is that it kind of suggests that those tales, for example, might be short-lived. Mm-hmm. But I think you can wind that to avoid this becoming like a one-trick pony or like this, the, the rituals getting old or something. Uh, I think you can make these tales longer lived. There can be after effects. There can be whether it's something kind of hangs around or like, you know, there's, there's ways that you can make it last longer, but add to the narrative mm-hmm. uh, or at least make something more challenging later on as a result of this. Uh, so I don't think it's... I guess it's an oversight in that uh, they're suggesting it's it's short-lived just for that moment, but I think you can correct that by uh, including these things in the campaign uh, for the long run. Yeah, if you guys like the show or if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at r slash it's a mimic on Reddit, uh, in, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, we've come to that part of the show where we're going to present our unique builds to the audience. Cool. As is tradition, let's roll. 18. Three. Man, I'm rolling. I'm on fire tonight. We've been the same order for the past three rolls, I think. No, no, we haven't. I, I was I was last last time. No, I was last. I was second from last last time. It's not the same order. I'm just rolling fucking insane, and I'm, I'm happy about it. Okay, so who's first? Dan? Okay, uh, Terry. Terry. Yeah. Did I not? I didn't acknowledge you after the first, Terry. No, no, I, I you didn't acknowledge me after the first, Terry. You rarely do acknowledge me. It hurts me. Um, the... <laughs> thing I was thinking about when I thought of a College of Creation bard was not a artisan, was not a uh, grand creator or craftsman. No, I was thinking of an annoying piece of shit prankster. And that's when I thought, Terry, a copper <laughs> dragon. I, I thought of you, Terry. No. I thought you were going to gnome for a second. I so. thought I, I was so close to just saying gnome. Just to, <laughs> I, I was like, gnome, who's so. DMing this episode? Terry? I have College of Creation bards? Oh, a rock gnome. No. Yeah. Uh, a copper dragonborn um, uh, College of Creation bard. Sure. Reason. Copper dragons are the pranksters. They're there to just fuck with people. Copper dragonborn would be echoes of that. Add on top of the fact that um, as of the recording of this episode, Fizzbands has not come out. However, we do know that dragonborn are changing for the better. So, play- who? who said that? Um, some of the images I've seen that uh, Wizards is releasing okay. of Fizzbands, like we haven't had it released yet, so I, it's all conjecture at this point. But Copper Dragonborn are, by their base nature, jovial, friendly. They are uh, not really harmful pranksters, right? Whereas a Copper Dragon would just be like, haha, I burned your house down, get it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny guys. Don't you just, God, you just don't get yeah. the joke. Yeah. No, I'll go ask the blue dragon. He'll be on the ground laughing. It's yeah. just a prank. It's bro. just a prank, bro. <laughs> you hit me in the face with a stroller. You guys can live in my cave until you get yourselves on your feet. <laughs> yeah. God, it's just a house. Build another fern. Anyway. So, uh, a go- uh, a copper dragonborn is going to have this, um, aspect of, Pulling from the uh, 
base creative energies that Bahamut has laid the weave and the entire world together with. And he's going to pull them out to prov- to provide like a whoopee cushion or a bucket of water above a door. Just completely waste the gift. Just completely yeah. waste the gifts <laughs> right. he's got with this, right? He's got he's got a uh, a spigot on the flow of the creative energies, like base creation energies, world shaping powers, and he uses it to pull a rubber chicken out of a hat. <laughs> like this guy, I it just would be so much fun. Definitely not for a serious campaign, obviously. But yeah, um, it's a rope to trip people in the road. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Or or uh, generates a ten foot pole with a hook at the end to pull someone off a stage. Like that's what <laughs> yeah. this guy, or to pull himself off a stage when yeah. a joke hits flat. Like that. That's what this guy is. I love him so much. As for background for this guy, I he's an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's an entertainer, right? Um, so that's where I went with this. You're not going to be martially strong with this. You're still just a bard. So don't try to play like the gladiator level guy who just like could create a weapon whenever he needs one. You're not going to have that success here. Okay. Unless you have racial proficiency bonuses outside or, or you multi-class, it's not going to work. If you're going straight bo- uh, college of creation bard, copper dragonborn. Hey, and when all else fails, you can always just breathe acid on their face. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It works for me in real life. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with my original idea of a lizard folk, College of the Spirits bard, uh, with a far traveler background. Cool. Um, I like the idea that uh, this guy was slated to be the storyteller for his tribe, right? He was raised, this was going to be his profession, and then all of a sudden, tribe gets wiped out. And then, so now what he's doing is... It's uh, a prank, do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> All your friends and family are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> it was you! Um, so now he carries their stories as his inspiration. Um, basically channeling their spirits to protect them and spreading their stories so that his kin never die. This guy works great with an ancestral guardian's barbarian. Okay, The yeah. two of you are, are the last two of your tribe. Oh, yeah. And you're both pulling on your ancestors, the spirits of your former friends and family who have all died tragically to aid you in combat. Yeah. Right? Oh, so good. Yeah. Then, though your kin may be gone, they will never be forgotten. And yes, I would have a raven familiar. Of course you would. Lean yeah. right into it. Oh, lean yeah. right into it. What was the name of your college again? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Spirits. Yeah, that's what I'd lean into as well. But I would, my aim is to make a character that's so fucking tragic that people feel terrible because they just laugh at some of the stuff. You see, like, I want someone who, not like depressing, like goth chicky, like I talk you about. You want tragic, not edgelord. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, like, I'm not talking about sitting on the side with a hood up or anything like that. Just, just, you know, maybe somebody who just pretty much talks like this a lot of the time. And my wife actually left me, you know, for her. And like, the person that <laughs> nobody wants to be left alone with ever. <laughs> But the story, I can't get it. But the story is just so fucking tragic, yeah. and then things just keep get adding on and adding on, and it's just like, please don't leave me alone with him. But you want to be least, a Debbie Downer. So yeah, what is yeah. so what that what that type of character does is for the characters, it's awful, but for the players, it's hilarious yeah. because who's going to get left alone with this guy <laughs> who's just fucking awful? And like the tales that would come would be his life experiences, would okay. be things that have actually happened to him, and tragedy just follows him. 
everywhere. <laughs> if, if you can find a way to take the anti-lucky feat, give it to uh, this guy. 100%. Right? Yeah. But you're not playing this guy as a halfling. Uh, it's just not happening. But the trick with this type of character is not to... It's like, don't tell people that it's tragic. Just be tragic yeah, in what yeah. you do and let them realize that you're a fucking just lost cause. Just an absolute lost cause. Nobody wants to be left alone with you. And it's almost like a test of character to the players as to like who's going to laugh first. And then the idea that they're laughing at something that you say is just awful. Um, and your player, like your character would understand if people are like laughing at his misfortune. He's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I see what you're saying. That I don't even think I would play it like that. No, I think that they would just. That's just the way life is, yeah. you know. And they would just, but it would just be fucking hilarious to be around. I would oh, just do like uh, Marvin the Paranoid Android from Hitchhiker's Guide yes, to the Galaxy. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure that I would even have them depressed. I yeah. think they would just. People would just recognize that this guy is just fucking truly or just tragic, yeah. tragic. But maybe he doesn't even realize that you know it just can't. so i would just i wouldn't tell everybody leaves me eventually every, well well the, 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 what you do with this guy is like everyone's around the party telling their stories and like the barbarian's like oh you know i come from this great tribe and he's like oh yeah you know i i had a tribe once it was my little family they all died in a tornado it wasn't the tornado that killed them. It was the roof falling on their heads. <laughs> that kind of, or even like if the idea was supposed to be, say if they're supposed to be telling a scary story, the, the story that they intended is not the tragic bit. It's the fact that he mentioned that his wife left him for the milkman. Yeah. You know, it, this reminds me of what happened to me right after my wife left me for the milkman. And then that, and then everyone's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> that's the bit. It's, it's not that the tornado killed his family. It's that shortly after they all just ended up leaving him because yeah. he yeah. just was so depressed <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, something inconsequential. Exactly. Happened. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Anyway, in the end, she left me because of more sexual in- insufficiencies. Kyle. You know, like that, right? Yeah. And everyone's just left <laughs> hanging. Like, fucking what? This guy's so tragic. That's what I do. Alrighty then. I want to play with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to I I have, have that guy next to the, the <laughs> yeah. prankster bard as well. Yeah. All bard party. Because yeah. what I love is because the characters would hate him, but the players would like to be... Uh, they like to yeah. hear what's going to happen. This sits down at the bar, uh, lets a massive fart out because he got a whoopee cushion from the College of Creation bard. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, and I think that's the way to build a character, right? That's what I've learned over time is you got to entertain the players. Yeah. You know, don't, don't try and entertain the other characters. Entertain the players. Yeah. All right. So, any final inspirations for every from anyone before we wrap up? Honestly, I think you just hit the nail on the head there. You know, when you're yeah. building one of these, both of these bards can lead into uh, party level distraction very easily. Yeah, they both require a lot of additional footwork for DMs to handle. So, remember, players, if you're choosing these one of these two, you are one of a number of people around a table who have to all share table time equally right work with your dms work with the other players make it so nobody at the table regrets that you have taken that class yeah you were talking okay. earlier about the, the whole yes and uh principle yeah and that really it that really is true it's not it's like a conversation right it's not wait for your time to speak it's it's listen and then how can I add on to what they're doing? How can I use my character to complement what's happening with the other person right now? Not trying to take the limelight away from them. And so you have with this these subclasses that we discussed, very powerful subclasses to do that. You can really complement what's going on around you instead of just trying to take the limelight because then it won't be appreciated. Yeah. 
So that's all for this week's discussion on bards for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses, so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week we'll be saying goodbye to 2021 with another part in our discussion on wizards. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word on to everyone you know so that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Thank you for listening to another It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, shoutouts, requests, and mailbag questions can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. How many bards is too many bards for one party? Seven. I got an Seven. 18. You okay, guys got to roll, roll off. 15. Oh, four. four. Dan, you're first. Um, how many bards is too many bards for a party? Um, honestly... Previous editions, I would say one. One bard is too many bards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fifth edition, man, they're one of my favorite classes. They're one of the most versatile classes versatile. in the game. Yeah. yeah. So, like, how many bards? They're how many people at the table you got? Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. everything's so varied. So it, there is no limit for me, unless there's that one asshole that just needs to fuck everything. That guy can go. We, I mean, are it. we still doing that? Is that still Apparently, some there? people are. Somebody's doing that. Okay. Yeah. Um. I very intentionally am playing a bard right now who mimics my own social awkwardness. So yeah. it's he's not chasing. <laughs> oh, your at character all. mimics yeah. your own social yeah. awkwardness. Well, that's good. Yeah, Terry. What about? Well, I suppose it's not good. We're working on that. <laughs> so you don't have performance there... expertise. Uh, no, I do not have performance. Everybody has an off night, Kyle. Okay, yeah. there's lots of things that go into it. It's happened to the best of us. Okay, <laughs> right, well, I'm just it's happened to the best of us. April 2009, I remember vividly. But anyway, um, how many bards is too many bards? I I don't know. I think you could have a party full of bards. I think they're versatile enough. Yeah. The problem is there's some core abilities that then everybody just has and it's kind of boring. But I don't mind like a traveling show or something as a party. You know that that makes. A lot of sense. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Like a like a circus or or, or yeah. something like that, a carnival. Or, or they got a band and they're just going from town to town trying to get a gig, but no, they just keep getting they just keep getting adventures instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but then you just have a collection of uh, assholes sitting in a circle, inspiring each other. Yeah. You know, like a circle of jerks. Oh, Dan. Hey, oh, when man, was, you're so good. I love you so much. Long time ago, me and my friends Barry, Rory, and I forget who else was it. We had a made up band when when I was in Germany, and we travel around. The reason yeah. we told the like reason we were the British people in Germany is we told me we were in a band. We were called the Dirty Guns, but it wasn't <laughs> real. We had songs and everything. But yeah, it was. That, great. That's not something I would want to like proudly. Oh, we love that bar. Band, the Dirty Guns. I always wanted to start a punk band called Rival to the Bible. What do you play? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing, but I still wanted to start a punk band. I Both mean, Terry and I are uh, bass players. Oh, I'm a lot of years out of the game, though. Now yeah. it's just hanging on the wall. Just, in fact, it hasn't even been hanging on the wall for the past year. It's oh, just geez. there. It's just there as a conversation. Oh, piece. buddy, in the past two yeah. years, my bass has been sitting in a corner of the room in its case. like, And and my bass has a name. What's your bass's name? Uh, Tibble. Okay. <laughs> we don't have enough time to finish no, that conversation. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> Let me just take a breath here for a second, because this is a heavy one tonight. Okay.
But as much as I love bards and what they have to offer, I want to ask you, host two and host three, before we get started, <laughs> what's, what's your... Do that again. <laughs> That's coming out at the Christmas party. Hey, it's Adam in the editing studio, and I am just now going through this episode, and it reminded me of a thing that Jeff and I were doing a little while ago, which was going over a number of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-inspired magical items. One of the ones that he pitched, or I think that he found and then updated into D&D Beyond, was the Scroll of Vogon Poetry. Now, for those of you who know the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... Vogon poetry is notoriously bad to the point where it will render people mad or unconscious. So, to cast the spell scroll, use an action to read its content out loud. Everyone within a 30-foot radius that can hear music must make a DC 16 wisdom saving throw. On a success, nothing happens. On a failure, you must choose between falling unconscious for 6d10 plus 10 rounds or taking 6d10 plus 10 psychic damage. The unconscious effect Ends for a creature if it takes damage or someone uses an action to wake it. So that's what it says. And then we got silly about it and came up with the actual poem. To cast this spell scroll, which upon transcription is white like a whitish flower, use an effervescent action to read mightily out loud like a famous poet such as Fringenobel. Everyone within magnificent radius, a number of inches equal to a standard year minus some until 360 is reached, which by most accounts is 30 feet, no matter the number of bulbous toes, that is capable of hearing as the mighty war hair of Pergonon 23 hears, must make a saving throw most wise that a 16 is needed and, one must assume, wanted as well. Upon glorious success, nothing happens like my father's unmoving heart when I hug him. If failure is the answer, then woe! The hearer must make a decision most unenviable, as a coyote in a trap must choose to die or gnaw viciously until its leg is off, which honestly might kill it nonetheless. Be either unconscious like Sleeping Carrot for 6d10 plus 10 excruciating minutes of blissfully unaware and somber peace, or yet unto yourself choose the other option of 6d10 plus 10 psychic damage, such as is whence unto cranial pain merges until it blossoms as pineal crane and whatever. Think about it. Creatures both fair and not fair that succumb to the embrace of a darkness most dark must remain thusly henceforth until the damage is visited upon the celestial forms or their earthly ones, depending on how religious they are, I guess. Or one should know another method. If a boisterous dude or femme sacrifices an action most selflessly, the unconscious creature may yet be roused to consciousness in an immediacy. Dictated, but not read, High Supreme Vogon Scrollifier, Grun. Nailed it. <laughs>